Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we assess how the five African teams playing at the World Cup are shaping up as they play their final friendlies ahead of the tournament. Also, we hear from Sierra Leone coach John Keister as they had a disappointing 4-0 loss to South Africa in a friendly match. Just very disappointed with the, with the performance. I've had a group of players in the last how long and we've been coming along very, very nicely in terms of our, our progression. That's coming later. Also, we have listeners' views on whether Mohamed Salah can bounce back from a disappointing spell with Liverpool. And Stuart looks ahead to this weekend's English Premier League games. Well, first, Nigeria's John Mikel Obi has retired from football at the age of 35. The midfielder had an illustrious career, winning the Champions League with Chelsea in 2012, playing 89 times for the Super Eagles and winning the 2013 Africa Cup of Nations. He did retire from international football back in 2019. We'll look back at Mikel's career on next week's show. So we had an international break with many teams playing international friendlies over the last few days and with the UEFA Nations League on as well. These were the last friendlies before the World Cup in Qatar in November and the five African teams playing at the World Cup were all in action. Let's start with Tunisia. They beat Comoros 1-0 and then grabbed the headlines as they lost 5-1 to Brazil in France with a racist incident in the game as a banana was thrown at Brazil forward Richarlison. Now, last week we talked about Brazil's Vinicius Jr. being racially abused in Spain, so the story continues, and somewhat ironic that it came in a match against an African team, although we should emphasise that it was played in Paris, and Tunisia's Football Federation has denounced the incident and say they're awaiting confirmation as to whether it was a Tunisian who threw the banana. Well, another sad incident, Ida. Indeed, Steve, ironic that it did come in a match against an African team. And even more ironic that prior to kickoff, Richarlison and his teammates had posed, you know, next to an anti-racism banner, of course, following that Vinicius Jr. abuse. Well, Richarlison did react after the game via his Twitter and basically echoed what many people of color in football have been saying for pretty much forever. It doesn't matter how many knees are taken. It doesn't matter how many banners are made, how many PR schemes are executed. If the people who do this go unpunished, then it's just going to keep happening. Now, the said banana was kicked away by Richarlison's teammate Fred during the goal celebration. And look, Richarlison later said that this was Probably for the best, you know, because he actually doesn't know how he would have reacted had he seen it then. The act is something that's been condemned by many stakeholders, as per usual, you know, with uh, the likes of FIFA saying that an investigation is underway. But how many times have we heard this, Steve? And there was a really interesting analogy that some chose to, to draw up where more vitriol was actually shown towards Richarlison when he did the keepy-uppies in the game against Nottingham Forest, something that a lot of people took as disrespect. 
and more vitriol was shown towards him than was shown to castigate this latest incident of racism towards him. So, look, Steve, we live in a funny, strange world. I'll say that. Yeah, sure. These are stories continue.、Uh, now, away from that controversial match, in other friendlies for Africa's World Cup teams, Ghana lost three nil to Brazil in France, and then beat Nicaragua one nil in Spain.、Uh, Morocco beat Chile two nil, then they drew nil nil with Paraguay in Spain.、Uh, Senegal beat Bolivia two nil in a match played in France, and they drew one one with Iran. Cameroon lost both of their games, one nil to South Korea in South Korea, and two nil to Uzbekistan.、Uh, so, what do you make of these results, Ida? Honestly, Steve, I expected better from the African teams. I mean, that was a good result from Senegal against Bolivia, but the Taranga Lions wasted several chances, and they'll definitely need to be more clinical, you know, when playing at the showpiece that is the World Cup. It was also a decent result against Iran, Steve. I realized actually that there are some who don't know how good the Iranian team is. I mean, this is the best-ranked team in Asia at 22 globally. It's just two positions below the Teranga Lions, so that was a balanced result. And just a quick but very interesting one on the Senegal-Iran game. The Iranian Football Federation, Steve, bought the rights to the game, and ordered it played without any fans. Now, this was to avoid the world witnessing any protests to do with the anti-veil human rights situation currently ongoing in Iran. About the games against Brazil, look. Let's be realistic. I definitely wasn't expecting wins against the five-time champions. I wasn't even expecting draws, you know, but I was hoping for maybe, you know, three-one scorelines. Yes, I'm glad that the Tunisians broke them, but unfortunately, it came in a five-one thrashing, Steve, that massively overshadowed that goal. Steve, one thing that I really admire about Brazil is that their attitude is the same, friendly or not. They go out and they give it their all, and I actually can't say the same for African teams, unfortunately. And focusing on Brazil, Ghana, well, the Selecao Steve dominated from the start, and it was clear to see that the Black Stars just couldn't keep up with that level of attack. Not to mention、uh, Thomas Partey, you know, being pulled from the game with three minutes to kick off due to fresh injury concerns, you know, despite being in the lineup. Nonetheless, the Ghanaians bounced back with that one-nil win over Nicaragua. Though one would have assumed that the margin would be bigger. I mean, Steve, the Black Stars are 60th and Nicaragua 139th, you know. But some players did stand out for Ghana.、Uh, left back Baba Ratman put in a really solid performance against Brazil despite the result. And、uh, the youngster Abdul Isahaku, he got his first international goal for Ghana. You know. When he netted that winner against Nicaragua, Morocco with some decent results, a convincing win and a draw, but Cameroon's double loss, though Steve, one of the more discouraging aspects of this round of friendlies. I mean, yes, South Korea is a decently ranked team, 
But so is Cameroon, you know, and that loss was definitely a damper. And then to lose even worse to lowly placed Uzbekistan, the indomitable Lions aren't looking very World Cup ready, Steve, at least if you ask me. Yes, certainly mixed fortunes for the African teams. Uh, thanks, Ida. Stay with us. There were also lots of friendlies for the other African teams not going to the World Cup. Algeria beating Nigeria 2-1. And South Africa beat Sierra Leone 4-0 last weekend. Uh, their first ever win over the Leone Stars in five attempts. Well, Sierra Leone coach John Keister was not happy after the game. This audio from the South Africa Football Association. Not a lot to say. I, I think... Um... Just very disappointed with the, with the performance. I've had a group of players in the last how long and we've been coming along very, very nicely in terms of our, our progression. Again, you, you want to look at it and say it's making mistakes. You know, when, whatever you go into, you have to prepare for it. We can't be coming against one of the, the better teams in Africa and not prepare at all and don't have a single preparation. You know, I, I have players, you know, coming out to their clubs. You know, staying in hotels overseas, you know, waiting for visas to get here so that we can start preparation. I have to leave three towns to Leon to come into South Africa because I've got a British passport, otherwise I wouldn't have been here. I have a, I have a group of players on one side, another group of players on one side. Don't have anything. So, I, I don't think we deserve anything out of this today. For me, I just, again, apologies to the people of Sierra Leone because I don't think we've done them justice today. I think we've, the whole situation surrounding us coming here has been, has been a whole, has been a very, very difficult situation. You know, you can sit there and say, well, it's excuses, no excuses. There's nothing about, there's no positive about the game today. There's no energy levels. There is no, there is nothing at all. You know, how can you, how can you judge players around the predicament that we've been in in the last week or so trying to get to South Africa? Players going on Friday. I have an hour training session. What can I do in an hour? And then I have a game today. It's difficult to take. It's difficult, ex- ex- especially when you concede four goals away, which has been not something that we, we've done in the last how long. But again, you know, hopefully we can we can go back. The powers that be can start looking a, a better way. You know, if we want to progress as a nation, you know, these are the times. But sometimes you got to go down to come back up, and hopefully this is a turning point. So that's the Sierra Leone coach, John Keister, speaking after the 4-0 friendly defeat to South Africa last weekend. Uh, they had a very promising campaign at the Africa Cup of Nations earlier this year, and it certainly looks like a step backwards for the Leone Stars, uh, with poor preparations clearly a factor, Ida. Well, it's seven goals conceded in two matches, Steve, and uh, three of those goals... Those against DR Congo were conceded inside of just four minutes. I mean, this is indicative of a team that had already given up way before kickoff. Their travel could have contributed. I mean, the team was actually stranded due to lack of visas. And according to them, the South African Football Association, SAFA, caused the entire mess as they did not accord them any invite letters that pretty much would have facilitated the trip. The Leon stars have been a difficult nut to crack for Bafana Bafana, Steve. I mean, they had shared the spoils in three of their last four games. So this one in particular, and such a heavy win for South Africa, I'm sure, was quite, quite welcome.
Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come on the show, Stuart looks ahead to this weekend's English Premier League games with a couple of big derbies coming up. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive so you never need to miss a show. Uh, to download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, will Mohamed Salah bounce back? It's been a tough start to the season for the Egyptian, with Liverpool below their best in the Premier League and with Salah seemingly lacking his usual sparkle. Uh, Last season's joint top scorer has two goals in six games. Uh, Some feel he's not been the same player since the Africa Cup of Nations earlier this year. So we asked, do you think that he can get back to his best? And we start in the Gambia, and Belong Baji says, I think the lack of creativity of the Liverpool midfield has made it difficult uh, for Salah, and Sadio Mane's move to Bayern Munich has dulled his performance in some way. Uh, For a turning point to come, after a difficult start, Salah needs a good partnership uh, with someone like Mane, and as of now, I haven't seen anyone who's close to Sadio Mane who matches his talent in the team, says Belong. Also in the Gambia, Sudeko Suno says yes, he can get back to his best very soon. He will be a firing for Liverpool and for the Egypt national team, says Sudeko. And Mamadou Jallo says without Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah won't make it this year. Uh, those are the thoughts of quite a lot of other people as well. In Malawi, Chisomo Peter Mutambalika says he was good because of Mane, and Mane did all of the dirty work for him. In Kenya, Oluwaka Jam Leka says there's nothing he can do without Mane, and that's all. He needs to work extra hard, bearing in mind that Mane used to feed him with all those passes, and he's no longer a Liverpool player. In Nigeria, Chabel Nimi says there's no Salah without Mane. It's obvious. But many others still have faith that Salah will get back to his best. In Nigeria, Ogin Renbi Samuel Friday says Salah will pick up and he'll shock all of his critics and his hater. Sheka Bangura says he'll surely be back to his best. And Idris Rasbi in Nigeria says he will remain the best in the Premier League. Absolutely, he will be back. Uh, Ramani Nkenji is also in Nigeria saying he's already picking up form and uh, Ramani there referring to Salah getting two goals for Egypt in their recent friendly over Niger, uh, one of those uh, coming from the penalty spot. Alonso Junior Coco Boko is also in Nigeria. Alonso says everything that's happened to Salah is not just because of Mane. It's just been a tactical tweak. He's more of a creator this season than a goal scorer. And now everyone has to play for Nunez. But then the whole team is underperforming because of bad form and injuries, says Alonso. We heard from Guinea and Mamadou Ba says, I still believe in Mo Salah. And in Nigeria, Blessing Joseph says, Salah is a great player. He doesn't play on his own. Uh, The Liverpool midfield is suffering. It's now that they are coming up as some players are back from injury. It's the midfield that creates chances for strikers. Uh, Liverpool did start playing differently when Jota and Thiago and so on returned. Even the defence was bad, but it's just six games. Salah will bounce back. You'll never walk alone, says a blessing. And finally, Kroll Sebako says uh, there's only one Mo Salah. He's the one from Egypt and he remains the best in the Premier League with or without Mane. Just wait and see. The Premier League has hardly started, says Kroll. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. We'll see what lies ahead for Mohamed Salah. 
So the English Premier League is back this weekend.、Uh, one of the highlights is the North London derby on Saturday between Arsenal and Tottenham. It's first against third. I'm joined by our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. Stuart back from a break, and、uh, this is going to be an intriguing contest, Stuart. Yeah, this weekend, Steve. This is the first full program of. Premier League fixtures for almost four weeks because of the Queen's death and the international break, and the standout games are actually all four derbies. We've got to start, as you say, with Arsenal against Tottenham. Now, Arsenal were well beaten at Manchester United, but then they've won their other six games. Tottenham, though, are third, and I think they will provide quite stiff opposition. So I wouldn't like to predict this one. And then there's another derby in Manchester on Sunday afternoon at the Etihad. Manchester City second, five wins and two draws, while visitors United have won their last four league games, and they've beaten Liverpool and Arsenal. But City will be favourites, but I think only just. And then an intriguing fixture for Graham Potter, whose、uh, new club Chelsea go across London for an away fixture at Crystal Palace. And what's fascinating about that game is that Crystal Palace are playing their first game for four weeks, you know, because of、uh, the the breaks we were talking about. Then on Monday night, Nottingham Forest play Leicester City, and dare we say it, both clubs are already in relegation battle. And of course, because it's after the international break, clubs will be assessing the fitness of players who have. Played two internationals in the last ten days and may have racked up quite a few air miles in the process. So, I think this weekend we might see a few shock results. Well, there could be. I'm looking forward to the return of the English Premier League after that break.、Uh, so, we talked earlier about the friendlies involving African teams, and meanwhile, the UEFA Nations League was on. These games, the final preparations for the European teams going to the World Cup. England in an exciting 3-3 draw with Germany, but finishing the campaign without a win in six games. And Harry Maguire continuing to be one of the most criticised players in world football at the moment、uh, by both the England fans and the Manchester United fans.、Uh, is the criticism fair, Stuart? Well, let, let's just start first of all on the the Nations League,、um, and that has revealed that actually some of the top European teams are struggling. And let me remind you, the European Nations League started a few years ago to give. European countries competitive games instead of all those tedious, meaningless friendlies with unlimited substitutes. Countries have been put in groups of four, with countries of a similar standard, four tiers with promotion and relegation. Now England is one example of a country struggling. They finished bottom of their group without a win, and ignominy of ignominies, England will be relegated and replaced by Scotland. Germany were third in the same group, behind Italy and Hungary, and neither Italy nor Hungary qualified for the World Cup. France one win and six, finishing behind Croatia and Denmark, and all those three are going to Qatar. And Belgium, FIFA ranked number one country for much of the last few years, only second behind Netherlands. Spain and Portugal were in the same group, finishing first and second, but only with three wins each out of six, so no dominant club there. And Steve, my point is that none of the European giants are in great form, and the door to one or two African countries to surprise them at the World Cup is certainly open. And as you said, a strange thing about this World Cup 
you know, World Cups normally come at the end of the European season and countries have two or three warm-up games for, for the tournament. But this week, we're eight weeks from the World Cup and no more games before it starts in Qatar at international level. Oh dear, what am I going to say about Harry Maguire? It's just been a wretched season for him. He was in the Manchester United team on the 13th of August that lost 4-0 at Brentford. And since then, he has played 10 minutes in the Premier League. And in fact, he's played one Europa League game. And that's all he's had at club level. Because uh, Ten Hag has decided that his best central defensive partnership is Martinez and Varane. And frankly, I can't see that changing. So poor old Harry plays for England against Germany, not match fit, and he gives away a penalty and he gives away the ball for a German goal. So, I mean, in a way it's hard for him suddenly to step up to that level when he's not playing. Uh, There was a headline in one of the papers today that Gareth Southgate is pleading with Ten Hag to give him more playing time, but I think that's nonsense. Uh, Ten Hag will pick the players he thinks are best for Manchester United. And at the moment, Harry Maguire could well sit on the bench at Manchester United. And where does that leave him uh, in terms of his position in the World Cup for England? That's a big question for Gareth Southgate. And if you know the answer, please let me know. We're asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Is the Harry Maguire criticism fair? Uh, Maguire is one of the most criticised players in world football at the moment, uh, both by the Man United fans and the England fans. He was dropped from the United team, as Stuart said, and he had that Nations League shocker against Germany. But Maguire was the world's most expensive defender when he joined United in 2019. So is the criticism of him fair? Is he really that bad? And should he be in England's World Cup team? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Is the Harry Maguire criticism fair? We'd love to hear your views. Uh, now, Stuart, one fairly regular feature of this segment on the show is Watford firing their manager. Uh, the Hornets are currently in the championship and they've done it again. Rob Edwards has been fired before the end of September, 10 games into the season. Remember, Watford were relegated last season. They're currently 10th in the championship with three wins, five draws and two defeats. Now, Edwards was a surprising choice when Roy Hodgson said he didn't want to continue at the end of last year. Edwards got Forrest Green Rovers promoted in his only season as a football league manager. So very inexperienced and only in the lower league. He was a surprising appointment, but my goodness me, more surprising, he's been dismissed so early in the season. A Watford club statement said, We felt Rob had enough time to show us the identity of his team. However, performances haven't reflected our hopes and ambitions. To me, that is utter nonsense. Ten games is far too early to judge a manager. And as you said in your introduction, it's no surprise because the Watford Italian owner Gino Pozzo has a track record. He must be one of the worst owners in the league. In the last three years, Watford have had seven permanent managers. Can you believe it? Munez was given 36 games in charge. All the others, all the other six, 11 to 22 league games. 
If you change the manager on average every five months, you get absolutely no continuity. And what is more, Edwards has been working with a squad which is much weaker than that was relegated last season. You know, they've had no significant signings, but a string of players have left the club. So you appoint Edwards as manager, you sell seven of the best players, and then you fire him eight weeks into the season. Unbelievable, except that is what Watford do. Now, the replacement is Slavin Bilic, former Croatian international player, who was also head coach of his country for six years. He has been manager of West Ham for three years, West Brom for two. So he's familiar with English football. Steve, if he's listening, I have one piece of advice for him. I wouldn't bother buying a house because you may not be there that long, Slavin. Yes, not much job security there at Watford. And with the 2022 World Cup getting ever closer, Stuart, we now know how offside will operate there in Qatar. A sensor in the ball and 12 cameras in the stadium will track the position of the players and the ball. The cameras will send data to a control centre, a mind-boggling 50 times a second, and the sensor 500 times a second. The system will alert the referee that a player is in an offside position, but it will be the referee who decides if the player is interfering with play. The system has been tested over the past two years and is found to be working well. The system is called semi-automatic as the system gathers the data, but humans, the referee or the VAR official, actually make the decision. Perlici Colina, you know, the well-known former referee who chairs the FIFA Referees Committee, said that VAR has dramatically reduced mistakes by referees affecting the outcome of matches. The game is cleaner without all the pulling and holding at set pieces and simulation has almost disappeared. Well, he must be watching a different game from me, Steve. He continued, We expect semi-automatic offside technology to take us a stage further. We are aware that the process currently to check offsides sometimes takes too long, but the new semi-automated technology will offer a faster and more accurate decision. One likely criticism is that it will make black and white decisions. So the so-called... Toenail and armpit offsides will be given as offside. That is, if a forward has any part of his body fractionally ahead of the defender, that will be offside. Well, yes, if you're going to have a VAR and that technology, then, of course, there will be borderline decisions. And uh, I think uh, there should be no complaints about those tight ones because either you're onside or you're offside. But certainly there will be much debate uh, over that. And uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Which English Premier League club cares most about the fans? And the answer is Nottingham Forest. A recent survey of fan experience at 92 professional clubs in England saw Tranmere Rovers come top with 79% satisfaction and Nottingham Forest second overall with 78%. Now fans were asked to rate their clubs in terms of the ticket cost the location, i.e. how easy is it to get to the game, the quality and comfort of the stadium, the food available at the games, and the atmosphere at the games. Manchester United came second in the Premier League, and you'll be interested to know, Steve, that Brighton are third best experience for the fans in the Premier League. Another thing to emerge from the data was the difference in the average ticket price at Premier League games. Clubs like Aston Villa, charge $30 for a ticket, Manchester United, Manchester City, $50,
And then look at the inflated London prices with Arsenal and Tottenham, each average ticket price more than $70. Wow, so really expensive to watch those English Premier League games with the top London teams. Uh, thanks, Stuart. So Arsenal-Tottenham, the early game on Saturday. Uh, the Manchester derby is on Sunday. City against United. Uh, new Chelsea coach Graham Potter taking on Crystal Palace in a London derby on Saturday. Uh, Liverpool-Brighton on Saturday too. And there's a Monday game, Leicester against Nottingham Forest. The UEFA Champions League is back on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, so it's a really hectic schedule ahead of the World Cup. And the CAF Champions League is back next weekend uh, with the first legs uh, of the first round games. And a reminder of our question on social media this week is the Harry Maguire criticism fair. Uh, one of the world's most expensive defenders, uh, still surely a quality player, but dropped from the Manchester United team and having such a poor game against Germany in the Nations League. Uh, so is the criticism of him fair? Should he be in England's World Cup team? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.